Good morning. Peace and grace and welcome to each of you on this beautiful day. This is a Sunday in ordinary time, which is a season of our church year devoted to our personal growth in faith and our personal relationship with God. We're so glad that each of you is here to worship with us today. Today we also welcome our guest musician, Jonathan Katz. Jonathan is well known to the staff of Montview Church because he saves us regularly. He is our computer tech expert, and we are so happy that he's here to share another remarkable talent. Thank you, Jonathan, and welcome. Today, following this service, we'll have our conversation about the separation of families at the border of this country. This conversation will be in the McCollum Room. It will be a time to share feelings, a look at local resources, and discuss what we might be called to do in this circumstance. Childcare is available for this meeting, and it will be in room 113. Next Sunday, we'll have a discussion of Citizen, which is the book we're reading together this summer. This conversation will be in Fellowship Hall following the service next Sunday, July 8th. It will be facilitated by Bill Dela Cruz, who is the Director of Equity and Inclusion for the Denver Public Schools. Childcare is in place for this time also and is in room 113. There are many other things listed in your insert today. We hope you'll take time to read through all of the entries and please consider each one to be your invitation to join us. And now, in reverence, in gratitude, and in joy, let us stand as we are able for worship.
We are gathered in God's name, and we turn to God now with our confession. We confess all the ways we fall short in our lives of faith. We confess our mistakes. We confess our regrets. We confess what we have done and what we have failed to do. We begin with our silent confession. And we make our corporate confession together now saying, Have mercy on us, O God, according to your loving kindness. Blot out our wrongdoings, forgive us our sins, create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew right spirits within us. Restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through the grace of Jesus, we pray. The psalmist writes, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. More closely than those who watch for the morning, more closely than those who watch for the morning. We also wait for the Lord, and we believe in the morning of God's generous mercy, of God's steadfast love, of God's great power to redeem. We place our trust in God who knows us better than we know ourselves, who forgives us and guides us into each new day. Thanks be to God, and amen. As we begin this month of July with our national celebration in just a few days, we turn to our history and to a great American for words of peace. Dr. Martin Luther King said this, peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. May our commitment to understanding, to light and love, and to the peace of God be what we share as we join hands now. Please greet each other in peace.
Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see you. So I have a question. Have you ever heard of something called the golden rule? Have you ever heard of that? Well, it's a golden rule that just says this. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. And that's part of the way that we follow the life that God would like us to live with kindness and joy and sharing and being nice to people. Can you guess why they call it golden? Does anyone have an idea why you'd call it golden? Because it's special? Yes, because it's special. That's right. Do you have an idea? Because it's important. That's so true. It's special and it's important and it's really important that we all try to do that every day with everyone. Do you have an idea? <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll share it with your family, okay, Penelope? Yes. So, boys and girls, treat others the way you want to be treated. And did you know that's a part of religions all around the world? In the Jewish tradition, I've learned that it's said in this way, if you really, really, really don't like something, don't do that to anybody else. But it's the same idea. Treat those around you the way you would want them to treat you. Can you raise your hand if you think you'll try to really think about that this week? Oh, good. How about all of you? <laughs> Thank you. Let's pray together. Dear God, we give you thanks for these children, for their fresh and innocent faith in all that is good and right and true. Please help us, God, to follow them, follow them in a way of life that will lead to great things for the world each day. In Jesus' name we pray, now and always, amen. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Let us pray together the prayer for illumination found in your bulletin. May your holy word fall fresh upon our lives, inspiring us to live with faith and compassion. Amen. The lesson this morning is Mark 14, 3 through 9, found on page 13 and 14 in your New Testament Pew Bible. When he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, why was the ointment wasted in this way? This ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, 
Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me, for you always will have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Would you pray with me? May your grace fall fresh upon these words, your living word. Through Jesus' name, amen. So we don't know the name of this woman who poured an alabaster jar of costly perfume on Jesus' head. Yet a version of this story ends up in each of the four Gospels, which is unusual. The 20th century theologian Paul Tillich praised this unnamed woman's act as a holy waste. Tillich said, hers was an example of a holy waste growing out of the abundance of the heart, an uncalculated surrender. Her extravagant generosity was more costly than its monetary value. The woman who entered the home of Simon the leper had already broken the cultural boundaries of first century Palestine by entering a dinner party with men. A woman standing over Jesus in such close proximity was extremely risky. And it was also costly for Jesus to receive her gift. So in that intimate exchange, the two of them were the only ones in the room, it seems, who understood that she was preparing him for his funeral. The disciples scolded the woman. They chastised her as if she were a child. And remember, these were the same disciples who shooed the children away from Jesus the disciples relentlessly tried to keep away from Jesus the ones whom he sought out, the poor and the lame and the blind and the prisoner. The poor you will always have with you, and yes, show loving kindness to them, he said. Three years, the disciples journeyed with Jesus, and they never seemed to comprehend that where they would find him, where they would find God, would be on the margins of society. The people who had the most faith were always the outcast, those who were far from the halls of power, those forgotten by society were the ones who trusted him, the beggars, the lame, the immigrants, and the prisoners. The lepers seemed to follow him. Children ran, ran to him and climbed up into his lap. 
And seldom, though, did the religious people have faith. But the demons understood who he was. A professor I know calls the disciples in Mark the disciples. <laughs> it's a professor I live with. They were the first, and the disciples were always the first to answer Jesus' questions, but the last to understand his answer. These men, judgmental and harsh toward the woman's action, made sure Jesus knew that unlike hers, their priorities were aligned with his, that money could have been given to the poor. They weren't wrong. 300 denarii was equivalent to one year's wages. And indeed, they could have fed a lot of hungry people. Good for you, high five, they waited for Jesus to give them. But instead, he said, you don't get what it all means. And they didn't. They didn't understand that God's economy is based not on competence, and pro productivity and efficiency, but on extravagance, not on debt, but an economy based in gift. The disciples didn't get it, and the unnamed woman did. So there are times, according to this story, when waste is holy, holy and beautiful. That's the word Jesus used to describe what she did for him, kalos, beautiful. She has done a beautiful thing for me. So remember, God is found on the margins. So we see this unnamed woman. In her, we see an image of God. Her act of extravagant, beautifully wasteful love is also an image of God's extravagant, beautifully wasteful love for us. God wastes beauty on us every day. God throws around the most stunning landscapes, masterpieces of creation, and they're more often than not wasted on us. Each day, these exquisite sunrises emerge and spectacular sunsets retreat over the horizon. Whether we notice them or not. When we were in New Mexico, I was so struck by the flowering, tiny cacti in the desert, these blooms that opened up regardless of having witnesses. Were they a waste? Yes, in the best sense. God clearly enjoys beauty. Can we even fully understand God's nature without understanding this aspect of holy wastefulness. Many of us were raised in sensible families with good Protestant work ethics. Frugality was valued. Nothing was to be squandered. Tim and I both grew up in homes like that. Our families knew how to stretch a dollar. We had parties, but nothing you'd describe as extravagant. My brother and I, in fact, were three years apart in age, but we were born five days apart. So my parents thought it was very economical to have one birthday party for us 
both for both of us each year, so every other year we could pick which cake we wanted. I know, right? And Tim and I attended what we thought, what we considered one of our most, one of the most extravagant parties that we had attended, and that was when we were th about 30 years old. And it was a celebration dinner for a friend's ordination to ministry. And the party was hosted not by her parents, who were more from a conventional uh, stripe, you know, more frugal, but this party was thrown by her in-laws, who knew how to throw a party. The food was gourmet, and the wine was perfectly paired with each course, and our glasses were never empty. And frankly, we were out of our comfort zones. But after we moved past our judgmental attitudes over the amount of money being spent, we started to relax. Of course, it was the wine. <laughs> but we began to loosen up and allow ourselves to enjoy it all, to laugh and to receive the host's generosity as a gift for such an occasion. It was a holy waste. In the beautiful Danish film, Babette's Feast, do you remember this, Babette's Feast? The stern and severe Protestants in the dwindling congregation of the village were given an Epicurean meal by their Parisian Catholic servant, Babette. And one day, Babette, who had once been a famous chef in Paris, literally won the lottery and she wasted every dime of her winnings on one prodigious dinner, solely as her gift to her austere friends. Jesus made clear to the unnamed woman that what she did, made clear that what she did, she had the power to do. Like Babette, she gave what she could, all she could foolishly and wastefully. And two chapters before this story in Mark, the poor widow in the temple gave her last penny because a penny was all she had the power to do. The two women's gifts were very different in value, but Jesus praised them for their extravagantly generous hearts. So acting out of love, acting out of the abundance of our hearts, doing what is in our power to do is God's call. The question is, what power do I have? Well, I have monetary resources. I own a home with extra bedrooms. I have access to people in positions of power. I have a voice, a platform, a position, a pulpit, in fact. And I'm called to preach mercy and compassion over hatred and fear. So what power do you have? You must ask yourself that question. Without overthinking it, Jesus never failed to respond to the needs presented to him. In this story, Jesus was at the receiving end of an act of mercy because hers was the act of a hospice worker tenderly assisting him in his passage toward death. In my experience, God's call 
is usually dropped into my lap. And it usually comes as an invitation. It might come in the middle of an ordinary day, and then I'm faced with how to respond to the need presented to me. The story Jesus told about the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, an outcast, he saw a man who'd been beaten and left on the side of the road. And the Samaritan had to make a decision. Would he extend compassion and care and go out of his way for the stranger, or would he not? Would he respond in kindness, or would he keep on walking like the two religious people did before him? We know the story. He gave care for the man. So these are the Apostle Paul's words to the Philippian church about what it is to love as God's love. Take one another's interests into your own heart and give them a home. Take one another's interests into your own heart and give them a home. I know of a Presbyterian congregation in Ohio that faced a situation they never could have predicted in a long-term strategic plan. They called a new pastor after a lengthy search, and the church was understandably eager to have their new pastor begin. And the new pastor and his young family were packing up the house that they lived in, and they were preparing to make the move to the new church. But right before the move, the young pastor was diagnosed with a terminal and swiftly moving cancer. So the congregation was devastated for the pastor and themselves. How they responded, however, was remarkable. They had the pastor come anyway because the congregation opened their hearts to care for him, to care for that family through his death. The congregation knew what they had the power to do. His need became their call, their unpredictable call. The church loved on him and his wife and his children until he died. There was no exchange of services. It was never a question of what he was going to do for them. Out of the abundance of their hearts came extravagant, wasteful, holy love. I've heard it said, People in pain don't remember what you say. They remember that you showed up. They remember how you made them feel. It's costly for me to take someone else's interests into my heart. I get frustrated, honestly, when my Franklin Planner daytimer schedule gets interrupted. I might have to get in the car or pick up the phone or buy a plane ticket, or send a gift, or mail a note, or open my wallet. So the next time you find yourself in a situation when you are tempted to respond with what's practical, or frugal, or this side of stingy, you might also feel that nudge to do something more beautiful, a little crazy, something wasteful. Remember this woman 
and ask, what would she do? And as Jesus said, do it in remembrance of her. Thanks be to God. Amen. All good gifts come from God. And in our gratitude for our abundance and blessings, we share our gifts now for God's work in this place. Let us receive the morning offering.
dedicate what we now share with one voice, saying, God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills and our works, a continual thank offering to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. We come to this table, we might be asking, what kind of God is the host of this table? And what kind of people does this God call us to be? If God is extravagantly loving, then we are called to love extravagantly as well. So may this simple meal of bread and wine become for us a feast. For this table is a generous gift to us, to equip us to serve the world in the way God calls us to, to be the kind of people that God calls us to be generous and kind. Jesus is the host of this table, and all are welcome. Please join me in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, gracious God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You have been faithful to us through all generations and continue to speak to us today. We praise you for this table of love you spread in the world as a sign of your love for all people. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending song. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you this day giving thanks for so much. We thank you for the beauty of summer, for bold colors, flowers and trees, for skies spacious and blue. We thank you, God, for every act of loving kindness shared with strangers, with neighbors, with family and friends. 
We thank you, God, for every time we treat others as we would like to be treated. God, we thank you for the traces of hope in every circumstance, traces of hope that can flourish and grow with faith in you. Thank you, God. And God, we pray to you this day in supplication also, asking for beauty and loving kindness and fair treatment and hope for all your people. We pray, God, for your people who are sick and sad, who are tired and hungry, despairing in lack of justice and opportunity. God, we pray to you for the families who have been separated at the border of this country. We pray for every child. We pray for every parent. We pray, God, that they will know you are near and that you will be their comfort. God, please be their lullaby. God, we pray to you this day for the poor and the meek everywhere. We pray for the people who have no power, who have few chances for safety and solutions. We pray to you also, God, for the leaders of the world who hold the lives of others in their hands, those leaders whose policies and pronouncements have real consequences in the lives of others. We pray that they will lead with compassion and that they will remember even and always the least among us. And God, we pray for ourselves. We pray asking to hear your call. We pray asking to remember the clear lessons of your son Jesus. We pray asking for ways to share our voice with those who have no voice against the injustices, the prejudice, and the wrongdoing of our times. God, please bless the countries of the world. Please bless our country. Please help us find our way. God of all, God of abounding grace, God of equality and redemption of patience and possibilities, on this day of communion, we remember your son. We remember his words, his life, his death and resurrection. And we remember the prayer he taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
On the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Each time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my death and look forward to my coming. Friends, this table is open to all. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please come.
Would you stand as you are able and join together in the prayer of thanksgiving? Gracious God, you have made us one with all your people in heaven and earth. You have fed us with the bread of life and renewed us for your service. Help us who have shared Christ's body and received his cup to be faithful disciples so that our life may reflect your presence among us and our love be your love, reaching out into the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
seated. I invite those, uh, all those who are going to Ipoderac in Mexico this week on a mission trip and adventure. I'm going to ask Mary Buckley to say a few words about what this grip group is doing. Thank you. Yes, we have 19 people going on this trip. It's going to be quite a good group. And what we'll be doing is, uh, actually we themed our trip Convivier Ipoderac, meaning to live together. So each day we will spend time with the boys. There are 70 boys who live there. I always get choked up for those of you who've heard me speak here before. Um, there are 70 boys who live there and we will be spending a few hours each day. They will still be in school. Ipoderac is in the area where the epicenter of the earthquake hit last year. So their school has been extended. But we'll get to spend a few hours with them. We'll do group photos of their houses, the houses that they live in. Uh, we're hosting a pizza and ice cream dinner one night for them, which is a big treat. And we'll be supporting their graduation party on Friday. There are about 13 boys who will be graduating from different levels of their education. And thank you to Sandy and the children who created graduation cards for each of the boys. So that's going to be very special. Um, Ipoderoc is a place that's been in existence for 52 years, and Montview has supported it for over 15, I believe. Jim Pulsfit, sitting over here, started that uh, many years ago, and I think we calculated that probably close to 200 people from Montview, through the various youth groups and other trips, have actually visited. Um, I think it's also appropriate to note that today, as we talk about families being separated at our border, Ipoderoc is the only institution in Mexico that is allowed to take children from Central America who are escaping the violence of Central America, and they can live at Ipoderoc without going through customs and have a safe home uh, for themselves. So we, we may very well meet several children who are in that situation as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the ongoing support of Montview um, through all the different ways, through the scholarships that have been given, through the capital campaign a few years ago that helped build the guest house, and, and all the many other ways that um, this congregation and the people, all of us who are going, um, are uh, supporting this important home. Thank you. Let us pray over this group as we commission them. Gracious God, fall fresh upon these Montview members, these pilgrims, these servants. Keep them in your care, empower them, open their eyes and their hearts to what will be new and powerful and life-changing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. Why don't you stay here while I uh, do the charge and benediction. Barbara, I'm standing right in front of you. Friends, as we uh, honor and celebrate um, the day of independence for our nation, the anniversary of independence, let us remember that independence and freedom is at the root of who we are as a people. So let us also remember and be mindful of those who do not live independently in freedom, who are in captivity. And let us remember who are we as a nation. We are generous 
and extravagant in our love. May the grace of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.